practice. So terrific. But other than that, I mean, it was a good weekend for uh, the our other boys in blue. And uh, just uh, one last note: uh, this, today we had a cross country NCAA championships. Women placed twenty first, men twenty fourth. So big weekend for everyone. But uh, for everyone here at WCBN, uh, we say uh, good afternoon and uh, go. Good blue. afternoon. Yeah, I'm saying good afternoon. All right, we'll say good night then. Good night and go blue. You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. The sports department would like to thank you for your continued support of the University of Michigan Student Radio. Moss knocked over Tambellini, winds up and he scores! Just Tambellini lets a laser go from the near side circle and the Wolverines take a 1-0 lead off the rocket, off the stick of Jeff Tambellini. Up, oh, we're on the air. Welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm throwing stuff around the room. Well, it'll just give me a quick opportunity as we're getting organized to, uh, I'm not going to comment on Lloyd Card's departure so much as just make an observation about the environment this year uh, that Lloyd Carr was dealing with, uh, I think it's quite clear that his heart was no longer in it. The reports are that he had announced uh, or, or met with Bill Martin, the athletic director, earlier in the year that he was uh, this was going to be his last year, and it made sense. You know, he had a group of seniors that he might have stuck around one more year for. But I just want to comment on the issue of bad karma. Uh, I think that Michigan's uh, football season was beleaguered by bad karma that uh, reared its ugly head way back in the Oregon game when Chad Henney got hurt and there were uh, some fans cheering this development because they wanted to see Mallett, uh, Ryan Mallett, come in and play quarterback. Well, I think as the season went on, we uh, discovered why uh, Chad Henney was the starter and not Ryan Mallett. Ryan Mallett is going to be a pretty good player someday, but he still needs a lot of work on fundamentals. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of a a newborn colt. His legs are a little wobbly, and he doesn't handle the ball that well. And, of course, Henny had a very tough season with injuries, and it's very tough uh, to play efficiently when you've got a bad knee, and eventually he had a bad shoulder. But bad karma is something that uh, I'd like to see a, an end to with respect to U of M uh, football, I don't think it is right at all to cheer injuries to key players, uh, even if you think the backup should be playing. Be careful what you wish for. Exactly. You there just was, might get it. You wished for it, you got it, and quite frankly, Henny had to bail us out of a couple of games that uh, Mallet really should have been able to finish but couldn't. Um and so it goes. It's not the end of the world. There's way too much focus on sports in our culture in, in general. I'm a big sports fan, but uh, I think there's a big difference between life and reality and uh, sports. It's only a game. It's for entertainment purposes, and uh, there, you could call it uh, a first world problem. You know, you if 
you can boo professional players when they're not giving 100%. You pay your money to go see those bums play. But these are young people. Uh, it doesn't matter. You never see booing at women's sporting events. I've never seen it. Uh, so I don't think it's appropriate to be booing uh, Michigan football players um, because I don't think there's any question that it's not an issue of effort. Sometimes the results are disappointing, but uh, root for your team with enthusiasm and be sad when we lose, but don't boo our players and don't boo our coaches. Uh, Lloyd Carr has been a class act. Uh, maybe um, the last year or two, his heart hasn't quite been into it. Um, and I think that's probably at, at the, uh, the heart of the matter as to why he resigned. And that's an important lesson in life. You know, you have to move on in life if uh, you're, yeah. you're not doing things 100% or you're not completely enthusiastic about what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether it's human relationships or playing sports or, uh, you know, even performing professionally. You know, if you're having problems with your job and you hate your job, move on. Right. Do something else. Uh, it's about karma, folks. Good karma. And let's uh, put an end to the bad karma. Michigan football will survive, and quite frankly, I would much rather beat Michigan State than Ohio State anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> and the local merchants got to take their share of the uh, revenue over the weekend anyway, so it's not a total disaster. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately a, in that light. a big money-making operation. A couple of uh, quick brain damage awards just to get going, and then we can maybe focus on some stuff. Um, I'm just going to give a brain damage award out to Bob Novak. Uh, Bob Novak looks like a sewer rat, and he is. Very pinched face. <laughs> um, this has been established, folks, since the Watergate tapes. Uh, top Nixon aides were uh, gleefully uh, encouraging deliberate leaking of dirt, scandalous information to Bob Novak. Well, over the weekend, of course, he gets into the Democratic primary by writing a column in which he claims, quote, agents of Hillary Clinton's campaign have unknown scandalous information against Barack Obama. But are, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he wrote, but they're not going to reveal it. And this, of course, created the big spat in the last couple of days between the Obama and uh, Clinton campaigns, and it's quite obvious what this is all about. Um, Bob Novak, and, and he, he's quoting a, quote, unnamed Democratic, top Democratic operative. Now, who is that? I, don't, I have no idea. It could be Zell Miller. <laughs> Remember the guy that uh, went loony at the Democratic oh, convention? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, who knows who it is? And it doesn't matter. It's it's It's... Uh, to paraphrase Rudy Giuliani, a gossip column story. Now, I don't happen to think that the propinquity between the uh, Giuliani uh, <clears throat> milieu and the Fox milieu is a gossip column story. I think that's actually a real story. Yeah. And there needs to be some investigation into this Judith Reagan lawsuit. It's interesting how the name Reagan keeps popping up. <laughs> Wasn't she the main character in uh, The Exorcist? The Exorcist, the possessed child. <laughs> the possessed child. And Reagan, though, I think they called her. Then we have a, a president named Reagan. <laughs> and now we have Donald a... Donald Reagan. Yeah, Donald Reagan. And, of course, now we've got Judith Reagan, uh, who 
was involved in the publishing of the O.J. I Did It book that... Now available in a pop-up version for the Christmas holidays. Yeah, and the Fox or the Murdoch Empire was involved in that. I would like to see the Roger Ailes and uh, Rupert Murdoch uh, <clears throat> tried for uh, complicity in war crimes in Iraq. Um, they're as responsible as anybody for... Um, the war in Iraq, and it's interesting how um, just this past week uh, Mitt Romney has decided to drop out of a Fox-sponsored debate that uh, other Republican candidates have joined, uh, Rip, uh, Mitt Romney uh, perceiving that Fox is biased in, on behalf of Giuliani. So this is a very interesting story about the closeness between the media and one particular candidate. As for Bob Novak, or as he used to be known, Bob Nofax. So remember, he was involved in the um, Valerie Plame event. He was the orifice through which it was leaked Yeah, to the rest of the media. So he gets either leaky information or deliberate leaks. Plants is what they call it. Right. And this, of course, is classic disinformation and propaganda that's... Uh, oh, dirty tricks, yeah. uh, Nixon style. It's old school politics. I think that Hillary Clinton's campaign perceived this correctly. She basically accused Obama of, quote, falling for a dirty trick, which is what it is. Yeah. And Obama, alas, has uh, maybe fallen for the trick. Um, I don't think that there is any unnamed or unknown scandalous information about Barack Obama. I don't know what that's all about. That's probably just nonsense. So you got to view it as nonsense. Obama shouldn't be attacking Hillary. He should be attacking Bob Novak right. and seeing this for what it is, a gossip column story. That's what Bob Novak is. He's not a journalist. He's a agent. Oh, that word agent. Now, that's an interesting word, agent of Hillary Clinton, only he used it in the plural, agents. This, of course, invokes the Cold War, spy versus spy, and secret all that. Agents. Secret agent man, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, very fishy and uh, scandalous. Yeah, you can't pay credence to those sorts of uh, ridiculous charges. Otherwise, you'll spend your entire uh, campaign defending yourself against them. And, uh, of course, that's the intended purpose. <clears throat> so the question is, when's the media going to uh, focus on Bob Novak's uh, unknown scandalous information that he's got about Barack Obama? Well, and why he was never really seriously pursued as somebody uh, to prosecute over the outing of Valerie Plame. Sure. I mean, yeah, he was fed the information by Libby through Cheney's office, et cetera, et cetera. But if the crime is to reveal this, well, he's the one who actually said it out loud on television. So uh, that would seem to me uh, he's uh, culpable there <clears throat> of that particular offense. Who knows? And then, of course, we have other sewer stories this week. Boone Pickens, T. Boone Pickens, famous uh, corporate raider and... Uh, Multi-millionaire, possibly even a billionaire, he financed uh, the Swift Boat campaign to a big degree, and uh, he offered a million dollars for anybody that could come up with any, quote, uh, information that uh, 
discredited the Swift Boat campaign, and John Kerry stepped forward to claim his million-dollar reward, and uh, Boone Pickens apparently isn't going to pay out. So he's another uh, scandal-monger, disreputable person. Of course, he's probably been a big beneficiary of the continued war in Iraq. As we like to point out, the price of oil since the invasion of Iraq has uh, gone from $27 a barrel to $95 a barrel. And, you know, really, how much longer will it be before it hits $100 a barrel? Yeah. Uh, Trends continuing as they have been. We're likely to see that by March. Yeah. and there's not sooner. And there's been open, open, uh, you know, corp... Big corporate types that are openly saying that $4 uh, gallon of gas is not uh, far around the corner. Some of them are anticipating that price by this spring. So well, We're just coming into the heating season, of course, so how that will factor all in. Better think about a fuel-efficient vehicle if you're uh, in the market. <clears throat> well, if you're in the market for a uh, job with the State Department... Apparently, you won't be forced into Iraq. This was a story a couple of weeks ago, which the State Department, short on volunteers to serve in Iraq, had uh, basically announced that all new employees would have to run the gauntlet of working in uh, the world's biggest American embassy in Baghdad. But fear not, because as of uh, November 16th, This is no longer the case. The uh, department has announced that it no longer needs to move directed assignments for Iraq because, amazingly enough, people stepped up and volunteered. Curiously, uh, the article here uh, goes on to say that the announcement will be a major relief for Secretary of State, so-called anyway, Condoleezza Rice, and the department's senior management. They had struggled to quell a revolt among diplomats who questioned the ethics of ordering unarmed civilians into a war zone under penalty of dismissal. Um, So there you go. Even the State Department itself is undergoing a quell of revolt against them what's running the show. Yeah. and, And to follow up on that, the Army says its desertion rate is the highest since 1980. Yeah, and this is after they've lowered the standards right. to uh, maintain uh, marginally uh, their recruiting goals. 42% jump in desertion since last year. Now, the Army uh, says that only one in, or excuse me, only nine in every 1,000 soldiers deserted. And you think, okay, well, only nine in 1,000. But how many soldiers are there? How many desertions are there? Overall, 4,698 soldiers deserted. That's a lot of thousands. If that represents only nine per thousand, um, and it's a 42% jump, are we likely to see this number go up? Yes, probably. There's a very interesting uh, report that I heard late last night on the BBC uh, concerning the origin of AIDS that I'm going to talk briefly about. Uh, I haven't seen the study on this, actually, the published study on this yet uh, in the media, but I'm sure it's coming out any day now, or probably already is, and I just can't find it. But in any event, uh, the interesting report that they made last night was that uh, they did a genetic sort of uh, testing of five of the first AIDS patients here in the United States and linked them to an AIDS-infected man 
from Haiti that apparently had been infected in the late 60s. Uh, the year they used was 1969. This is very interesting because this is part of the new biotech ability of scientists to do sort of forensic analysis of... Uh, when you're talking about, uh, obviously, tissue samples from these first five known yeah. victims. And and the blood, uh, that, that, that sort of thing. And it's very interesting because they went on to say that the Haitian individual, one person that somehow got into the United States, infected five people, and then these five people were then linked to 117 other people that were some of the earliest AIDS cases in the United States. And what's interesting about this Haitian patient is he apparently... Uh, they've linked the origin of his infection to the, quote, Democratic Republic of Congo, which is formerly known as the Belgian Congo, Zaire, where, of course, the United States had a Cold War ally and friendly dictator, Mobutu. Uh, he allegedly, when he left the country, uh, absconded with about $5 billion in American foreign aid. Uh, had a number of uh, castles and whatnot in the uh, European Union uh, and very large Swiss bank accounts. What's fascinating about the origin of this or this sort of genesis of how this uh, thing spread around is the is the focus on the Democratic Republic of Congo. During the Cold War, the United States, and this, of course, is why the United States was linked uh, through historical shenanigans to the assassination of Patrice Lumumba. This came just literally days before uh, John F. Kennedy was inaugurated back in 1960. Uh, he was nominally a Marxist and uh, not disposed to be uh, friendly to the United States. There, had, of course, had been independence uh, in the so-called Belgian Congo uh, during the late 50s and uh, early the year of 1960. Uh, Patrice Lumumba was uh, allegedly killed on or about the 17th of January, 1961. In any event, uh, the United States during the Cold War got 90% of its uranium from the Belgian Congo. And as you may have heard down here on uh, another show, uh, the Here and Now show over the years, a researcher that David Emery occasionally talks to, uh, I think his name is Ed Haslam, has repeatedly insisted that to think of HIV, think of SIV plus radiation. The Belgian Congo, this enormous area in the center of Africa, of course in recent years has been going through a civil war. Uh, far more people have died there than in the Sudan, for instance. And there's far less Western media coverage, or at least American media coverage, of this civil war and the chaos that still uh, beleaguers that country. Uh, maybe it's uh, easier to pick on the Sudan because of the fact that the uh, government of the Sudan is uh, sort of a radical Muslim-type uh, government, whereas the American Cold War shenanigans are all over the, quote, Democratic Republic of Congo. This is an important story, I think, if this is, uh, turns out to be true, and I have no reason to doubt the scientific research of this genetic 
uh, fingerprinting is kind of what they call it, regarding the origin of AIDS into the United States. If you will recall, early on, the CDC and during the AIDS epidemic used to have this thing called the 4-H Club. Haitians, hemophiliacs, heroin users, and homosexuals. That's it. And, of course, uh, President Reagan, uh, to his discredit, I think it took him four years to publicly even mention the uh, AIDS epidemic in the United States. Uh, It, of course, was used for all sorts of political purposes here in the United States uh, to target certain groups. And uh, the blood scandal during the Reagan years is is one of the most underreported um, cover-ups, I think, in uh, in uh, maybe the history of the world. Talk about a national security issue. Yeah. Well, it, and it also turns out that the United States was exporting AIDS-infected blood to Africa um, because they don't have clean needles, et cetera, et cetera. So... It's interesting how this AIDS epidemic might have done a full circle. There actually might have been, um, you know, the origin of AIDS in Africa to Haiti to the United States and then back to Africa through um, tainted blood that was was not properly taken out of the system. You'll recall that the famous tennis player Arthur Ashe mm-hmm. died as a result of a of heart surgery that he received in New York in 1985, and there was absolutely no reason in the world for that blood uh, to be in circulation. Right. Uh, it's a scandal that uh, the media has underreported. Um, so much for the great communicator, uh, communi- communicating to the American public uh, important information about what the government knew and when they knew it. But we know Reagan was... Uh, going to bed at 9 o'clock and uh, not fully in control of his own faculties. To say the least. Well, we'll have to uh, wait for more developments on that story, obviously. Speaking of developments, uh, interesting stuff going on in Pakistan. Front page of the uh, Times today suggests that the uh, U.S. military wants to get involved in arming tribes, individual tribes in this sort of nebulous region in the northwest of Pakistan abutting the Afghani frontier. Sounds a little bit like our Afghanistan policy during the 1980s. <laughs> or like our Vietnam policy in some uh, regard, too. Yes. Um, whether or not this is a good idea, well, time will tell. But so far, every single move they've made has been the worst possible move to make. Um, and, of course, Musharraf's been... Uh, certainly amusing at least from a distance um he's at least polishing off that uniform or taking it off taking it off supposedly hopefully he'll be playing some david rose the stripper music there for that wonder if he's going to start sporting a bin laden robe with a (laughs) (laughs) yeah it'll be great take the uniform off and reveal oh no it was bin laden all along but uh, I like this quote from him. Uh, this uh, dated November 16th. Be careful of what you wish for. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Zip. Uh, I love this one. President General Pervez Musharraf today swore in a caretaker administration and declared he had, quote, introduced the essence of democracy in Pakistan, close quote, as the emergency-ruled nation awaited a visit from a senior U.S. envoy. 
Well, more about that envoy in just a second. I'm more interested in the essence. It sounds a little bit like the essence of bodily fluids. <laughs> it does. Or eau de cologne. <laughs> yes. Just a little spritz behind each ear. Uh, you know, um, like that lemon-scented spray that people spray in the bathroom when someone's been busy in there. Been smoking. Or uh, depositing <laughs> bodily wastes of a non-fluidic nature and... Uh, just to sweeten the smell with the essence of democracy. Spritz, spritz. Because John Negroponte is coming to town. And by golly, according to an article by uh, David Rode and Salman Masood uh, from the New York Times, stated November 17th, Negroponte is likely to urge Musharraf to lift emergency rule. Likely? Well, he probably has to at least appear to ask him to do so. Um, whether or not he actually will, of course, is another matter, and uh, whether or not Negroponte's asking at all has anything to do with it is uh, seems kind of uh, ridiculous. But um, this is is not good news. Um, I like uh, Budo's quote here. Uh, he he uh, Musharraf spoke with me about the roadmap to democracy and then imposed martial law. <laughs> And in uh, response to this, of course, Budo's recently been released from house arrest. Um, but uh, at the end of last week, Musharraf commented, rebutting uh, Budo's comments. He said it was she who wanted to avoid elections because her party would lose. He said that she was, quote, the darling of the West. Uh, isn't he the darling of the West? I mean, uh, Bush has uh, done all but uh, hold hands with him and look deep into his eyes as he did with Putin. Um, you know, that's a, a missed opportunity. Yeah, and, well, the situation with Pakistan is, yeah, completely in flux, so to speak. I, I would hope that Musharraf could somehow get a hold of the United States Supreme Court and they could perhaps announce that he won the presidential <laughs> race and that he uh, they don't need to count the votes. Uh, it worked for George Bush and I believe for the five members of the Supreme Court um, that uh, named Bush president are still on the court and of course Roberts replaced Rehnquist and Alito report, mm -hmm. re replaced uh, Sandra Day O'Connor so I'm sure that the five votes are still there. Uh, yeah M M Musharraf is just untenable at this point and it's interesting to read these actually open reports in the uh, even the mainstream media that the Bush administration is now anticipating that uh, Musharraf may have to go yeah and well he's arrested almost 3,000 political opponents and lawyers and these are all middle-class moderate types uh, interesting too how the term emergency rule keeps getting employed when really it's martial law yeah. I mean, it's a cessation of constitutional law. And uh, the guy's in charge of the military, and he's also the president. He's calling all the shots. That's martial law. It's not emergency rule. Well, and Musharraf took over in a coup uh, back in 98. And in 98, the Clinton administration cut off right. aid to Pakistan. It's fascinating also, over the weekend, and I neglected to bring this story in, but uh, apparently the... Uh, American Defense Department is interested in controlling Pakistan's nuclear weapons, you know, with these, these switches that can 
sort of an on-off switch, like a car thing where you they have modern technology where if some thief grabs your car, you have this Deactivate the ignition. Deactivate the ignition, and they come to a screeching halt. Uh, the United States, of course, is very concerned about proliferation of nuclear material that's been well, well, uh, wide, widespread and uh, sure. very ubiquitous uh, in recent years in Pakistan. So that is certainly a bad situation. Of course, over the weekend, we also had this rather uh, alarming um, global warming uh, report from the United Nations about the seriousness of global warming. Um, interestingly, one of the countries that's most susceptible to the uh, global warming predicament is Bangladesh, and uh, recently a massive uh, cyclone, is what they call them in uh, Asia, hit Bangladesh. Officially, the uh, death toll is is already up to 3,100, and uh, only going to rise. And Bangladesh, this this was like a, a, I think I heard that this was the equivalent of a Category 4 hurricane hitting uh, Bangladesh sort of head-on. I mean, it had that trajectory that very reminiscent of Katrina in terms of the way it just literally <laughs> went due north and plowed into this low-lying area. And Bangladesh uh, has been predicted to be underwater, uh, possibly in 100 years, large portions of Bangladesh. So uh, this is going to involve the probably the uh, movement of uh, tens of millions of people as a result uh, and this is not going to uh, spare the United States, as these global warming models are showing. Um, by the way, the scientists now in this new report say it's pretty much uh, indisputable that the global warming is occurring and that there's really virtually, and we've talked about this really for over a decade down here on Gray Matters, there is no scientific information counteracting global warming except the infamous satellite temperatures garbage that's uh, utilized. We've heard a lot about the um, success of the surge in Iraq. You know, deaths are down, um, sectarian violence is down. We've discussed, of course, that there are uh, other uh, alternative explanations for this, not just uh, the increase in the American presence in Baghdad. But one thing uh, I noticed that the uh, that they've not talked too much about in their um, analysis of how successful the surge has been have been recent reports that date back about a month ago. Uh, this is from late September of uh, uh, 2007 about cholera uh, outbreaks in Iraq. Um, it, on the uh, 21st of September, 2007, Andrew Kramer has a report about the cholera epidemic spreads as cases reach Baghdad. And this was a follow-up on a story about an outbreak of cholera this summer that had been centered in an area near Kirkuk and uh, Salayamania in uh, Kurdistan where at least 10 people have died. 
Andrew Kramer writes, quote, in a report released September 14th, the WHO said that cholera had been clinically confirmed in more than uh, 1,055 cases so far in Kurdistan and was suspected in 24,500 other cases of diarrhea and vomiting. So this is fairly serious. Of course, the focus of this article is about the issue of chlorine and the, uh, frankly, the inability of the American <laughs> military, uh, they're in control of Iraq, to uh, provide clean drinking.